Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Yes, it's showtime. Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. For those listening in on the podcast, we're also live on YouTube as we record this. I'm, of course, your co-host, Menas, if you're listening for the first time. And joining me is my co-host, Paul Dennett. Paul, how are you? Vindicated. I'm vindicated, Menas. I'm very, very good. Paul Dennett. Paul, how are you? Oh, Jesus Christ. Vindicated. Go on. Did you hear that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so good at getting it twice, am I? Um, that was coming um, through on Twitter. I forgot. Anyway, we sound great. I think we sound fantastic. We could wrap it up now. <laughs> good show. <laughs> oh, it was just so satisfying. How many flashbacks to that disastrous audio? Anyway, go on. So what were you saying? It was just so satisfying that I'd said in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, why not open with Green as a replacement to Finch? And I said it. A, because I meant it, and B, to troll people who be like, oh, no, you can't open with Green. He's a middle-order player. And sure enough, as in every instance beforehand, the notion that specialist openers is the most specialised job on the planet um, in all walks of life uh, has been put to, put to bed. All you've got to do to be an opener is to say, I am now an opener. And mm. just like Gilchrist, just like Watson, just like uh, Kawaja, just like David Boone, Cameron Green's gone to the top of the order and he's been just fine. He's been more than just fine because what he did was he played the way I've always wanted the Australians to play. And that is to take advantage of the power play. He hit the first four balls he faced for four because he just muscled them. He was absolutely determined to to do that. Uh, And and it was just, it was fantastic. And 
it makes a mockery of um, the selectors having picked the side already when they didn't. The deadline for, for the um, for picking the side for the World Cup is not until October. I don't know why we picked it on the first of September, but anyway, uh, in answer to your question, Ben, is I'm well. <laughs> I'm well too. Um, well, look, we'll, we'll discuss that. We, we've got a lot to get through. This this cricket unfiltered is you know this is one for the purists. I mean, it's got all the hallmarks of a great cricket chat. We've got scheduled discussions. The Ashes has been announced. We've got rule changes by the ICC. We've got match reviews. Um, captains have retired so a lot of news to get through um thanks everybody for listening it's been a bit of a roller coaster the last couple of shows uh two shows ago paul we caught up with um adam from new zealand and unfortunately we had some audio issues um so i apologize for those um we did our best and then um last show i went out to cricket central in the west of sydney and and did a sort of inside New South Wales cricket special, which was excellent. I know you love that episode in particular. Me? I, absolutely. My favourite, for sure. I know. I know. Um, so we actually haven't um, caught up in a while, so there's, there's been quite a bit of news happening. Um, so, yeah, a lot to get through. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the uh, the first T20, um, Australia yes. v India? Great. It's good. I really, I really enjoyed it, actually. I mean, I... I shouldn't be so surprised, but I thought maybe I'd fall asleep during it or whatever else. But um, I watched it very happily all the way through through to three thirty in the morning, and it was a very very entertaining, uh, you know, lovely lovely few hours. Yeah. So for those who didn't stay up all night, India batted first and made two hundred and eight for six. Probably the best of the bowlers for Australia was Nathan Ellis with four overs, three for thirty. Hazelwood took two for thirty nine. Cameron Green, three overs, one for 46. His last over, he took a bit of tap. Um, what do you think of Nathan Ellis, Paul? He really impressed me in this game. I, I've always thought he's um, he's good. He's a bustling sort of bowler. And um, I, I thought he's got potential. But I've never given him a great deal of thought. But, yeah, he was definitely the best of our bowlers. And um, he, he head and shoulders above Cummins and Green and, and Hazelwood. So... Uh, you can't read too much into one game, um, only four overs, and you you, you can go the journey as, as some of them did. But, um, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. Cummins, it, it's not just one game now for him, but he, he does seem to not be as, a, as as effective a bowler in Indian conditions in T20 cricket as he is in, as he is in all other formats of the game. You know, as, as a test bowler, he's putting together a record that is almost um, the equal of anyone. But... If I was being absolutely serious, if if this next game that we've got coming up, game two, was uh, you know the World Cup final, I'm not sure if I'd even um, I, I would entertain thoughts of dropping Cummins uh, for Indian conditions in a T20. It's a good point. I, I think Pat Cummins almost has to do what Josh Hazelwood did two three years ago, which is really work on his variations in T20 cricket and. He used to have a more effective change of pace, but he he seems to have lost that a bit. He seems to be just kind of in the zone. A lot of the balls tend to be in that hitting zone. So I think he could actually take a leaf from his teammate, what Hazelwood's done, and he sort of changed his game a bit to adapt to the shorter game. On Nathan Ellis, I, I, I do think he's improved a lot this year. He actually has been playing a lot of cricket. I think he played in the T20 Blast. He's been picked up by a few comps around the place. And I think that experience is really benefiting him. And I'm not saying he's going to be like some world beater, but he does have that sort of opposite 
you know, because he's so different to Hazelwood, Stark and Cummins, he's shorter, skittier, you know, he's got a different trajectory. Um, I, I think he could do well. Yeah, that, that real skiddy trajectory is, is a good point. And, um, yeah, there were times when it was clear the other night that the, the Indians were face, were finding him more difficult to face than, than the other bowlers, for sure. And uh, for India's batting, I don't want to upset our Indian listeners, Hardik Pandya, 71 off 30 with five sixes and seven fours. Uh, Australian fans got a bit of a taste of what he does in the IPL regularly. And i got to say, at the end of that innings, with India piling on 208, I wasn't too confident Australia would be able to chase it down. But they they got out of the gate so quickly. They were always up with the run rate. Aaron Finch, he made 22 off 13. Uh, Cameron Green, who made 61 off 30 balls with four sixes and eight fours. Steve Smith, 35 off 24. Uh, Tim David, 18. Matthew Wade, a match-winning 45 off 21. And that was Tim David's T20 debut, a moment you and I have been waiting for for a long time. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I actually gave Australia a really good chance at the innings break. Um, Interesting. I thought... I suppose if I was if I had been forced to put my life on the result, I would have said, well, I suppose India. Um, as it turned out, it was the second highest runs chase Australia's ever made. Uh, I actually had some money on Australia at the innings break. They were paying $6, and I thought that was um, uh, far over the odds because I think that India, as, as much as 208 is a very good score, left some runs out there. It was notable to me that Pan- Pandya hit the final three balls of the innings, um, all three of them for six. He, um, it's a brilliant innings, 71 not out of 30, but he's batting too low. The, when, he, when he's got a strike rate of 236, um, you look at Rohit Sharma, 11 off nine. Imagine if some of those nine balls had been faced by um, Pandya. Kohli, two off seven. Um, you know, I, I think that India needs to be a little bit more aggressive. They are slightly conservative the way that they've picked their World Cup squad as well. And I just thought this is an absolute belter of a wicket. And when I look at the Australian lineup, geez, that's a, we've got a we've come to the party with a, a fantastic T20 lineup now. That with Green opening up, and they said he's going to go hard right from the start. It's pretty clear Finch was going to go hard from the start as well. He's either going to get it, hit out or get out. Smith's fantastic. Maxwell, Inglis, David, uh, Wade. What a lineup! And um, Wade, I mean, right now uh, he, he's he's just about the most reliable player in the Australian side. He's um, it's just superb. And and David's, um, I thought David has had a nice solid debut. The point he came out, it wasn't the point at which he was there to smack six after six after six. We needed a little bit of solidity. He got a few good balls, played them sensibly, did hit a six, did hit a four. And his 18 off 14 was a nice little debut. And it, it did help us get across the line, I think. Yeah, and I think he was just about to open up, but Matt Wade took over and, and hit 30 off about eight balls himself and didn't give David any of the strike for that sort of crucial over and a half. And from there, um, yeah, it was all the Matt Wade show. So I guess a few things. Um, Cameron Green opening the batting, I, I think they kind of just stumbled upon that because I heard um, them talking afterwards that, you know, the way Australia is, they, you know, have blinkers on. So they see Inglis in the World Cup as a middle-order option and he's in the squad. So they would never put him at the top of the order because he's going to be required in the middle order for the World Cup. That's what I heard, uh, I think, Matt Wade say after the game. So I guess that meant Green, if he was going to play, they put him up the top of the order. 
So I kind of, I kind of think they, they could have, they could have easily said it. the other way around. I mean, <laughs> you could have swapped the names around then and said um, they viewed Cameron Green as a potential middle order replacement. So that's why they opened with Inglis. They just make it up as they go along. Um, if Inglis had knocked on the door of the coaches and said, I'd like to open, and they'd open with him, he probably would have succeeded as well. It's like the yeah, Emperor has I, no clothes. Mm, the Emperor has no but, clothes and they don't admit it. I said to you before the first T20, I thought they might open with Inglis because they want to give him some time in the middle ahead of the World Cup. I said that but to no. you. Yeah, I know. You said you said but, you said it to me. Didn't I say that to you? No, I said that to you. You're starting to I think we're starting to become the one person menace. I, I thought we anyway, we had a conversation about this the day before. Um <laughs> we agreed on that though. I didn't we see did. green open. We did. Uh, and look, I I don't think this is a should be a surprise to people the way Green's playing in T20 cricket and 50 over cricket. We saw a fantastic innings against New Zealand not so long ago. He has shown this in domestic one day cricket. I think he's made two list day centuries and limited opportunities. One of them in particular was a big one where he, towards the end of the innings, he was hitting these long balls. And yeah, I just think we're yeah. going to see more and more of it. Do you admit that you're wrong now? Because when I've been saying he should be in the squad and, and you and other people are saying, oh, he hasn't got enough experience at international T20 level. Do you realise that? I don't the, think I've ever said folly? he shouldn't be in the, I don't think I ever said he shouldn't be in the side. No, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't have picked him in the World Cup squad. Well, uh, I mean, we could get into this now, but I mean, I've, you know, Aaron Finch is retired from one day cricket. I think I've been calling for him to be dropped for about eight years. So, you know, <laughs> like, you know, if you'd said to me Green's opening with Warner in the T20 World Cup, I'd be thrilled. Like, yeah, so, so I. I've just accepted, though, that Finch is our captain for this tournament. Um, so so I think Green has, you know, laid a marker now that he'll, he'll be sort of uh, – Gilchrist made a good point. Will this also give him more competence, confidence in test cricket to try and dominate attacks a bit more? That is a very good point because I think that's the um, the disappointing thing about his test match play so far has been he has felt the need to be overly test match in style. And, yeah, if, if he played the way that he did um, the other night in a test match, he, he, he'd be unbelievable. Now, obviously, you temper it a little. You don't have to go for, for every ball. But I, I think that's a very good point from Gilchrist. Yeah, so just an all-round good performance by Australia. Stephen Smith played a good innings. Even English, 17 off 10. They all kept up with the strike rate, but then it was Matt Wade with the icing on the cake. They won now, the thing four. with Wade is, mm. before the World Cup last time round, lots of so-called experts were saying, Australia's problem is that we've got a whole raft of opening batters or top-order batters, and we are putting them all into the side. And what we need to do is just pick our best top-order and then pick specialised uh, sort of middle order players to be the finishers. And Wade was one of the ones cited as he's only good at the top of the order. He's no good in the middle of the, middle of the order. Now it's been shown he can bat in the middle of the order. I would say he should be batting higher. We, we should have him up higher. Yet those same people will, would now be saying, oh, no, 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 we need him in the middle of the order. Um, so th again, the emperor has no clothes. What you should do is pick the players who are the best players to get the most balls in the game. So I'd be ramping Wade much higher up in the order. Yeah, I don't think they will though. I think they 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 lo they locked in on him being the finisher now. Um, <laughs> exactly, that's to my point. Like, and I think he'll probably retire at the end of the T Twenty World Cup. He shouldn't. He shouldn't. Why would he? Well, I'll give you a few reasons. Or you know, you know, think about the the 
So Cameron Green, I mean, he's just earned himself a massive IPL contract if he wants one. If you play in T20 cricket against India, especially in India, and do well at the next IPL auction, they all want you. So he's made himself um, a fortune. If he wants to play in the IPL, yeah, and I think he should do it. I think it's the right time for his game. Get over there and mix it with the best. Oh, it certainly will have helped him, but I, I think that he would have already been um, – going for a fortune. Uh, the, the quote from Avi Ashwin um, has predicted that some team will break the bank for him in this year's IPL option, auction. I think they would have broken the bank for him even before this performance. They're, they're not so blinkered that they can only judge performances against India. I know you, I, I agree with your overall point though. Um, how good was Coley's face when the second ball that Cameron Green hit for four as well? Coley's like staring wide. I think, geez, I've never seen something as powerful as powerful as that before. So yeah, um, he, he he should make loads of money in the in the IPL auction, but as for Wade, there's no reason he couldn't go be still be in the Australian team in two years' time for the next uh, T20 World Cup. I mean, you know me, I, I'm a huge hugest Matt Wade fan, and, and Stephen Matlock here, one of our loyal fans, is is asked for the little general Matt Wade to bat at three rather yeah. than Smith. I like it. I, like I agree. Drop um, Finch. I, 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 yeah, I, we've said it. Added ad infinitum on this, uh, ad nauseum on this on on this show. Finch is not a bad player. He's still what maybe our tenth or twelfth best T um, Twenty player. He's not far from being good enough to be in the Australian side. So he he may well do well in the World Cup, and good on him if he does. But if you're just picking the very very best players, best players, if you're being serious about it, you'd rather Green in the side than Finch. The Australian selectors have made a an error. The October ten was the deadline for naming the World's Cup squad. We announced ours on the 1st of September. That's just wrong. That's a mistake, and they should be um, held accountable for that. Why would you name the side um, 40 days prior to your, your needing to, for some spurious reason, oh, we want to give certainty or something idiotic like that? Um, you know, even like Michael Clark on Sydney Radio was saying that, oh, I wouldn't get rid of Finch now because if the captain was to be removed this close to the World Cup, it could cause chaos. If they remove, If they had removed Finch and said, okay, Cummins is the captain, it would have had headlines for a day or two, and then it would have been fine. We would have moved on. The biggest chaos that you could ever imagine was Tim Payne leaving the side ahead of the Ashes last summer, mm. and we won. We were one wicket away from winning at five nil. The, the the notion that the captain is so significant and so sacrosanct is just nonsense. It's just not true. Um, so yeah, I mean, I really like Finch. I hope he comes good. But if I was the selector, I'd be walking up to him right now and saying, "Mate, I think that knee of yours needs surgery, don't you?" <laughs> I think you should retire. So, um, I, I, I forgot to get this clip ready for the show. But for those um, listening and watching, I will put the clip on our Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok pages in the next couple of days. But uh, Aaron Finch did a press conference from India, and I was sort of go- I was going to ask him a question about Tim David, who he sort of line who would line up against in the team. And then someone asked a very similar question just before me. So came to me and I, I just, the first thing that came into my mind was actually this T20 tour of India could be Aaron Finch's last tour with Australia. You know, he's expected to maybe retire, to retire at the end of the T20 World Cup. So I asked him, you know, had, had he thought about that? And he looked quite surprised in the clip. I sent it to you. Mm. Um, but yeah, this could be the last time we see Aaron Finch go away. I hope he, you know, does retire at the end of the World Cup. Yeah, well, I mean, um, New Zealand gave him a guard of honour ahead of his last 50-over game. Maybe India should give him a guard of honour ahead of his last <laughs> game on tour for Australia. Or you his know. teammates and coach to give him the hint. 
No, but my point is that um, it was a bit much that New Zealand gave him a guard of honour because he'd retired from 50 over cricket. God, you know. Um, it started with Bradman in 1948. It's got to the point now where yeah. I, I left my, I got a coffee this morning and there were people giving me a guard of honour because the first time I left my house today. <laughs> Excellent work, sir. Um, and just <laughs> wrapping up that T20 game, um, you know, the Indian bowlers would have got back to the dressing room and Axa Patel would have looked around at his teammates and gone, what on earth are you doing? Patel bowls four overs, three for 17, an economy rate of 4.2. If you have one bowler bowling that well and you're defending over 200, you'd think you'd be able to win. The other bowlers all went for over 11 and over. The most expensive, Umesh Yadav, two overs for 27. And Bhuvaneshwar Kumar copped an absolute pasting, four overs for 52. So, uh, yeah, Patel exceptional, but not a good bowling performance. But that's Australia always. I mean, when he came on to bowl, I remember thinking, oh, here we go. We're going to struggle against um, Aksar Patel. And that India against Australia, they should just pick five spinners. Um, mm. I cannot believe they picked Umesh Yadav. When he came on to bowl, I thought, because I, I, I just switched on, I hadn't seen the team list. And I thought, what's Umesh Yadav playing for? They're going to smash him everywhere. I mean, he did get two wickets, but he, he's, a, he's a very decent test bowler. But on those small grounds, um, gosh, um, Oh, I was delighted as an Australian fan that he was in the side. Yeah, India looked a bit ragged in the field. Yeah, it's a bit of a misnomer that, that India's fielding is, is is fantastic. It's certainly a lot better than it ever used to be. But uh, about 15 years, 20 years ago, Indian fielding went from being poor to average to pretty good. It's still a comfortable level below Australia's fielding. They talk about Jadeja being this unbelievable fielder. I acknowledge he's the best in India, but I, I wouldn't put him in... The, as good as the very best few in Australia. And he's not in the side without him there. Um, they dropped three catches. None of them all that, none of them all that hard. And um, yeah, they're just going off the boil ever so slightly, this Indian side ahead of the world cup. Um, still a massive threat, uh, but maybe not as dominant. I, the, for, as someone who's always predicting that India will just start to dominate world cricket, they're not quite as, as dominant as I thought they'd be at this stage. No, um, I'll be interested to see how they bounce back after that heavy defeat. That was Australia's second highest T20 chase ever. Great game. Australia 1-0 up in the series. Conditions will be harder for Australia from here on in. That, um, that, that They'll probably be more spin-friendly, a little bit warmer as well. That if Australia was ever going to do well, it was at that, it was at that first venue um, of Mahali. So uh, it might be a little bit more difficult as the games go on. All right, let's get into the cricket headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. All right, so the first headline, we touched on it before. Since our last show, Aaron Finch has retired from 50 over cricket. Uh, we spoke at length about it on on the show. Um, uh, yeah, he, he made a fine contribution to Australian cricket as a, as a batter and a leader. In, in my sort of ratings of him as a, a 50 over opening batsman, I thought he was, you know, very good at times, but... Generally, I've just found him to be serviceable. Oh, I think he's better than serviceable. I think that um, um, if you look at the grand sweep of the the history of limited overs cricket, he's more than he's more than just serviceable. He's better than um, I mean, <laughs> I was harping it. We actually had Jeff Marsh hoping to sign for many years. He had a, a strike rate of fifty five. That's not made up. Five five was his strike rate in. Um, one day international cricket. I'm just pick, picking up Finch's record here. Average of 39, strike rate of 88. That's pretty good over 146 matches. Um, so 
Um, you know, I, I have forgiven him for his slow scoring in the, the 2015 semi-final of the World Cup where he almost cost us the spot in the final. Uh, yeah, I think he's been a particularly good player, a very, very fine leader and someone I always like to do well and I want to do well. And look, ultimately, if they are going to end up, if he is going to take his place in the 11 in the, in the World Cup, I'll, I'll be cheering him on. I mean, I guess why I say serviceable, and maybe it's just my impression, I don't think he's a particularly pretty player to watch. It always felt to me like he was a sort of foot down the wicket, hit through the line type of guy. And, you know, that works in certain conditions, but, you know, doesn't always come off, but that's fine. Um, yeah, just, just yeah, just serviceable. Um, no, no, no. I mean, look, and for start, you've, you've mixed two points up there. One, prettiness for the, the sake of the aesthetics. Um, that's great. It's fun to look at batters who are nice and pretty. Um, mm. I don't think he wasn't pretty. I thought he was quite a, a good-looking batter to watch. But ultimately, you're judged by your results, you know, um, who cares how elegant or not they, they looked. But you're also saying then saying that he was ineffective. I think those, that record shows that he was very effective. Oh, oh yeah, I think it's a good record. I, but I, I, felt, I, I feel like, you know, he really benefited from playing in the – he did well on hard wickets where the bounce was true. But I, I think when he got away in tough conditions, it was a, he struggled sometimes. But, you know, he's a great leader. Um, we really needed him after um, Sam Papergate, and he did well. But the big question is who will replace him? Will they go for someone to captain the white ball formats and appoint someone who can do the 50 and 20 over stuff? I've been thinking about this, and I've come to an answer. You're not going to like the answer. Um, but the, the, the four in uh, kind of contention probably for the 50 over stuff at least it would be Cummins, smith warner and um carey i'd have tim david just so he's in the side they're so stupid the selectors they're just as likely not not to pick him in the, I'm gonna put this in the comedy Cup. section I'm gonna put this in the no comedy i'm serious section they're likely to say he's a t20 specialist he can't be in the 50 over world cup when he demonstrably should be in the australian side for the 50 over world cup so the one way to get him in there is make him captain <laughs> that's a good one he actually did play a list day 50 over game Last summer for Surrey in the Royal London One Day Cup. Can't remember how say, we don't know how good he is at 50 over cricket because we've only got 20 over cricket to say. So, I mean, if Usain Bolt had only ever run 100 metres and someone said we've got to race for 120 metres, it's like, well, we can't have him. He's never run it. He might, he might not be able to make the journey. So for those four serious candidates that you floated, I hmm. think it will I think it will probably actually be Alex Carey. I just think if you want to take a sort of unimaginative solid approach you just pick your vice captain who you think's a good leader and make him the skipper so i and you don't then it doesn't you don't have to deal with the warner the smith issue cummins doesn't want to do it because he wants to rest from some white ball cricket so i just think they'll probably make carry the 50 over captain and they actually could make david warner the 20 over captain I think you're right that that's probably what they will do. Make carry the 50 over captain. And that's fine by me. Um, I think that'd be, um, that'd be perfectly fine. Uh, I'd also be open to the idea of Warner being 20 over captain for the, uh, or, or white ball captain for the next year. Um, uh, but I think they probably are more likely to go down that path. That's that is kind of on brand for them. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad choice at all. And then Steve Smith then, you know, I think he could be the 50 over captain, but I'm not sure they'll want to make him 20 over captain because there are still, you know, very faint question marks whether he's in our best 11. So especially with the, you know, compelling case Greens put forward, Tim Davis just into the side, Matt Wade. In, where do you fit all these stroke makers? Um, 
So maybe Warner's a better bet because he's a lock at the top of the order. Yeah, uh, and I think that the the doubts around Smith as being in our best twenty overside are more than just very faint. They're, I would still have him there, but um, you know, you could make an argument that he shouldn't be. That if you sort of say, well, there's Green, Maxwell, Inglis, David, Wade, Marsh, Stoinis, um, that's seven. Not, not even mentioning, um, not even mentioning Finch, that he potentially could get squeezed out if if it was the World Cup final and the pitch looked an absolute belter an absolute road and i had the the choice of well it's coming it's going to come down to you know smith or stoinis i'd probably pick stoinis if the if it had um a lot more juice in it then i'd definitely go smith so i'd always want him in the in the squad but i just don't think that he will be chosen as captain again because i don't think he was a particularly good captain and he's probably improved but you know i I always say that the, the the significance of the captaincy is overstated, but it's not nothing. And I think that as a captain, Steve Smith wasn't all that good. Well, I think that's a bit harsh. I think temperamentally he had some issues, but tactically he's one of the most astute cricket brains going around. What? Uh, yeah. What are you talking about? He's look. He is the second, arguably the second best batter after Bradman in the history of the game. No doubt about that. But what has he done? You know. You know where has he shown himself to be tactically amongst the best thinkers? You know. I don't know. I've, I've spoken a lot of the cricketers say that, you know, behind the scenes, they also say the same about Warner and I would be open to Warner being both the captains, but I actually don't think they need to have uh, a T20 and an ODI captain that are the same. I, I don't think it matters to split it now. Steve Smith would not be in the top hundred thousand. Um, I mean, you're talking porkies. You're talking. I'm going to. I'm going to take this podcast no, no, what, and put it what? in the comedy section. Why? He's a he's a brilliant batter, but where has he ever shown great strategic knowledge of cricket? I mean, they've got those. The, the very Venn diagrams don't overlap. Just because his hand-eye coordination is quick, you think he's good at under, at analysing the game of cricket? Absolutely. He's he's one of the. He's a problem solver. I mean, that's that's how he makes all these runs. Haven't you heard him? He's one of the greatest problem solvers in cricket. Yeah, he, he makes his runs because his hand-eye coordination is off the charts good. That's the one yeah. and only reason he makes his runs. I would um, love, I would kill to have hand-eye coordination like his. Yeah, well, uh, look, I, I think he would be a good choice as well, but I, I think they'll steer away from him. Just Carey, they love Carey. He's the golden boy, you know. Yeah, uh, I, I like Carey. And, you know, it'll spawn, you know, another round of um, articles, you know, looking back to his AFL leadership days. <laughs> Disgusting. Um, but right. shout All out right. to the Sydney Swans and to one of our great listeners, Robert Fairhead, who is making the trip down from Sydney to the MCG for the big game. I think he played for the Giants, um, Kerry. So you've ah, watched... Same thing. Yeah. Uh, it is the... He... <laughs> You know they want, think, you know they want the Giants. You know they want the Giants to play at the SCG now as well. They're talking about that. Not only are they going to have one AFL team, do, you know, tearing up the pitch. They want two there. I mean, they could stay out at West, please. We don't need two teams destroying the turf. Well, that's. I mean, we can talk about that in 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 our upcoming AFL podcast. But surely that you know, if they're trying to cater for the people of the sort of greater Western Sydney, why would you move the game to the the East Coast? Um, mm. Separate to your point around the, the cricket, which I agree with as well. I, I should clarify. I don't think Steve Smith's bad at tactics. Um, I just think he's just like like every person. Most people are pretty average at it. It's it's um, it's a it's a a very fine line between a good tactician and a poor tactician. I, I've never seen anything that Smith would indicate that he's a fantastic tactician because mm. you know. Um, it would be unusual to be both 
one of the greatest batters of all time and one of the greatest tacticians of all time. That's the odds of that are a billion to one. Yeah. Um, I, I need to get some evidence. I'm, I'm going to get some quotes for you for the next show. All right, moving on to the next headline. There's been another retirement, big one. Rachel Haynes, the Australian vice captain, has retired from the international circuit. She's also retired from domestic 50-over cricket. She will play one more WBBL with the Thunder. It was actually interesting. We had her partner on the last show, Leah Poulton, um, was a guest on the show, and then Haynes retired not long after. I don't think it's related. I don't think Rachel heard her on the show and thought, I need to pull the pin (laughs) on my career after that and keep an eye on her or anything like that. Um, But she's a fantastic career. She's been a guest on the show a couple of times, and just a really solid character on and off the field, dependable at the top of the order and a real leader for that team. When Meg Lanning was injured, she would take the reins and she will be missed in that team, experienced, level-headed, um, sensible. Um, so she's made a fantastic contribution to this team and she's picked the right time. You talk about judging retirement. She goes out, they've won the 50 over World Cup, they've won the T20 World Cup, they've got the Ashes, they've got the Commonwealth Games gold medal. She she goes away with a pretty um, full bag of winner's medals. Absolutely. Just just about to turn 36 as well. Um, she's going to play this WBBL. This is going to be her last WBBL as well. Is that, is that That's is that right, yeah. 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 I, um, I suppose it's a, it's a bit, bit of a pity that the, um, the women's IPL, which – I'm sure will get established and will be really successful wasn't around. And it wasn't really like a, you know, I would like to see someone like her stay around a couple of more years as the men tend to do now and play the, the WBBL, the, the hundred and um, the, you know, the women's IPL and a couple of things like that. So um, it's a pity that that's not up and running for her to do that. No, no, but she did get a, a, you know, as someone who's been in the game for a long time, she was there for the transition from, semi-professional to fully yes. professional and, and adequate and more sensible remuneration. So, um, yeah, she goes off into the sunset, a winner. Um, there's lots of great comments here we'll get to in a moment. Um, staying with the Australian women's cricket team, they've appointed a new coach, Shelley Nitschke, who was the coach of the successful WBBL side, the Scorchers, last summer, was handling the role on an interim basis, but she's been given the job. Um, replacing Matthew Mott. So, yeah, uh, she will actually coach the Scorchers in the upcoming WBBL, and then she'll finish with them. Uh, so a good appointment. She won uh, three or four Belinda Clark medals in a row um, as an Australian player, so excelled at the highest level. And from all reports, um, you know, Lisa Stalaker, who's a, a good uh, friend of this show, um, endorsed her. So I, I wholeheartedly um, agree with Lisa. And then um, less uh, happy news. Pat- James Pattinson's um, Victorian has been released from his uh, Victorian contract. Um, he, he left um, Knotts uh, during the season as well. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a, uh, a sad sort of outcome, I think. Yeah, it is sad. So he's he's left Knotts and he's not going back next summer. He, he said uh, canny cricket's too much for him. And he and Victoria have mutually agreed to terminate his contract. He hasn't retired, but it's hard to see him uh, coming back. Uh, I mean, he, he always could, but uh, just a very, um, you know, it's sort of sad end. You know, only two, three years ago, he was a 12th man in the Australian side. And if any, one of the, the top three ringed, he was in there. And and now uh, he's uh, gone from the game. It would be hard to put the training in 
to bowl like he does, which is a hundred percent effort, knowing that there's no prospect of international cricket, and that um, especially given how if the cards had fallen ever so slightly differently, or the chips had fallen, whatever, he could have played uh, many, many dozen test matches for Australia. He's, he was good enough. It was just that he was so unlucky with A, with injuries, and then B, to come along at the same time as a, such an elite crop of Australian bowlers. But I remember, um, was it the season of 2018-19, he um, just blew everyone away in the Sheffield Shield, was in the Australian side then for the first test of the Ashes in 2019. Did okay, but kind of didn't quite deliver on that promise uh, um, going to those ashes and sort of, I, I, if you'd asked me at 2018, 19, I, I would have thought he was going to be a real fixture in the side for the next few years. And, you know, probably wasn't quite hundred percent free from injuries. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a sad outcome. And he must be frustrated knowing that, um, uh, you know, he could have had a, a, a career of 80 test matches with a tiny bit of luck. Even last summer, he was unlucky. He retired from um, international cricket just before the summer because he didn't want to be 12th man again all summer. And, you know, lo and behold, Hazelwood gets an injury. Cummins gets COVID. He, he might have played most of the Ashes last summer had he yeah. not retired. It was, it was a strange decision, I thought. But I mean, you know, you can't. Without having lived in his situation, who knows? Um, he, might, he probably had very good reasons for doing so. A terrific bowler. I mean, at his best, he was um, scary. He was intimidating. He he was lightning quick. And then as he got older, his pace dropped off a little bit. He he had the ability to swing the ball away from right handers at pace, and uh, was a uh, tough to to handle as a top class batter for sure. Yeah, he's a very fine player. I'm just pulling up his record now. He did play 21 tests and. Um... 81 wickets at 26. That's very, very good. And um, first-class record at average of 23.5. Absolutely. Um, How many wickets? S- superb. He took 350 first-class wickets at an average of 23.5 and a strike rate of 44.9. And um, what about this? Um yeah, yeah. And his first class batting average was 22 and his test batting average was 26. So that's, yeah, geez, those numbers are so good. And you can sort of just, you can just see again how, had he played more than 21 tests, if he'd, if he'd had um, 80 or 90 tests as he could have, and test batting average of 26, and if he kept his bowling average up about 26, that's a very, very good career. Still a fantastic career anyway. Anyway, go well, Pato. Um, next bit of news, and actually staying with the fast bowlers, an article came out from Ben Horn, and his source for this was Neil Maxwell, the player agent, that these mini sort of IPLs um, are springing up in India, um, and they're sort of city-based. So for those in Australia that are listening, a little T20 competition popped up in, in Brisbane in the winter, um, and they attracted some state players. So the same thing's happening in India, except the scale of money in these little mini competitions is vastly more than in the Brisbane one. And one of those offered Pat Cummins a million dollars to come and play in that competition. And they're, you know, again, they're over a matter of weeks, these competitions. And uh, I think we'll see more and more of this and yeah, just a changing uh, landscape. And you can imagine again, if you're a, a, a solid T20 cricketer um, who plays in the big bash, you might not be able to go to the IPL, but maybe what some of these city-based leagues in India will pick you up and pay really good money. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've been aware of it, um, like the Karnataka um, mm. Premier League. That's a state. 
and the the Maharashtra um, Premier League as well. But it, it makes sense. I mean, just looking up now, um, uh, Karnataka has a population of 61 million people um, and it's the eighth biggest state in India. So it's a state with three times, it's a state with basically the population of the United Kingdom. So it stands to reason that these sorts of things could really pop up. They'll have a fair bit of money and they could easily get some um, some high-profile players from around the world to, to join them up. It's um, it's going to be a challenge for Australian cricket. Now, I want to ask you something. So I always look like what's behind the story. So Neil Maxwell doesn't tell that to Ben Horn for nothing. There's an, always an agenda. And I was trying to sort of work out what is the agenda here. There's, you know, there's always something bubbling away. I sort of think, you know, coming up soon, um, we've got the memorandum of understanding the MOU negotiations between Quick Cricket Australia and the players. And that's basically how deciding how the money gets divided up. So if there's all this um, press and all this pressure from external factors on the players and they can use leverage, if the players say, well, look, we're getting offered, you know, it, it could play into those negotiations. Um, so that's one thing I think could be behind the story. What do you think? Uh, maybe, but I tend to think, I, I think Cummins is more just being earnest and, and not so doing it so for for his own um, reasons, but it's probably in the best interest of Australian cricket if the Australian players are, are very much more looked after in the, the next MOU, not that they're not at the moment, but it, he may be thinking not trying to push, push any special agenda other than what's the best thing for Australian cricket. Well, and then I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm, not, I'm more cynical. But the other one is the um, the privatisation of the Big Bash. And uh, Lee Jamon had some really good um, comments about it in the last show where he said, you, you know, a really good model B might be actually selling shares in the league to overseas investors, not selling the franchises. Um Maybe the players want CA to aggressively look at privatisation to bring more money into the league so they can get paid well here. Yeah, I mean, I, I just hope that those decisions are made by commercial experts. I don't know whether privatisation is the right thing. It would bring in a lot of money, but you'd lose control instantly. And what would then happen is they would start to diverge. And after two or three years, the the best interests of the the big bash and the best interests of cricket Australia would no longer of cricket in this country would no longer be being looked after by the same group of people and would no longer be uh, being looked after with the same outcomes in mind at the moment, as much as you might want to criticize cricket Australia, they are trying to do what they think is the best for cricket in this country, as opposed to uh, privatizing it from then on, it would be, how do we make the most money? So I don't think that it should be the players who decide and I don't think it should just be some average board member. It should be someone with, um, you know, great expertise at, at seeing how this has played out elsewhere around the world. And only if it is the right thing to do for the betterment of cricket in Australia, should they do that? Uh, I have concerns about it. Well, I mean, quite practically, if it is privatised, will just that mean, you know, less money goes to the grassroots Um so, yeah, it is a tough one. It's just, if the, I guess the other thing is if the Big Bash gets left behind, then you have this kind of, you know, average T20 comp that's supposed to be the face of Australian cricket. But if it gets privatised, what happens if in 
you know, I'm sure they'd make all the right noises and say, oh, we're, we're not going to do anything radical. But go forward four or five years, it gets privatised and, um, you know, let's just say, and this is probably not going to happen, but let's say Tim David was knocking on the door of the Australian test side and they suddenly said, right, no, um, we don't want him to play uh, in the Boxing Day test match. Instead, we are going to have a big bash game right competing with the Boxing Day test match. And Tim David, we're going to pay you $5 million to turn down any test offer. Like you'd be, you'd be cannibalizing yourself potentially. Mm, I'm sure they'll be able to sort that stuff out. But actually, you know, on this point about those mini leagues popping up and what that could do, quite practically, a lot more players might decline a central contract and just say, I'll play for you, select me, but I don't want to be restricted about what I can do um, the rest of the year. Yeah, and potentially that's not the worst outcome in the world. Uh, I note that, um, and we'll get onto it, that the Ashes fixtures have been released and there's there's no mention of one-day cricket because I don't know that Australia's playing any one-days um, over there in England ahead of the next Ashes, that the way we are moving at least is starting to cut down on the meaningless international games. And that's being hastened because of the of, of the player power, and I think that's not a bad thing. It's mm, a good point. Um all right, now, I know a lot of people are listening to Cricket Unfiltered and thinking, when are we going to get to the schedule stuff? When are we going to get to these rule changes you promised, Manners? Hold on, we're going to get there. This is what's called, a, you know, teasing the big news. But before we get there, just a couple of little tidbits. Um, positive news, Will Pukowski made 193 not out for uh, the Victorian second 11 last week. He batted for over 600 minutes. Good to see a really talented player out in the yeah. middle again. And whenever he bats, he just makes big scores. Big time. Oh, look, I really do hope that he comes good uh, with the concussion and everything else and has a, has a long international career. I think that'd be fantastic. Um, I'm a I'm big fan. And just a little tidbit. Um, I was watching Lancashire v Essex um, in the county championship and the, the match was over in just over in over in a day and a half 26 wickets fell in the first day uh, lancashire in their second innings were six wickets for seven runs they then won the game by bowling out essex who were chasing 98 in the fourth innings so lancashire became the third team in first class history and the first since 1922 to win a game having been six for eight or worse the combined tally run tally in the match of 370 was the lowest in a county championship game since 1980. It was incredible. Yeah. Uh, And was that at Old Trafford? No, it was at Chelmsford. Oh, I was going to say. I think the Chelmsford um, curator is is auditioning for becoming the the main curator ahead of the Ashes next year. (laughs) (laughs) It was... um... Wasn't a good pitch, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so that was my little bit of county cricket for the weeks. Ashes. So Australia play in Edgbaston from 16th of June, uh, Lords 28th of June, Headingley 6th July, Old Trafford 19th July, Oval 27th July. It's a move forward because they want to get the 100 in and then they want to go to prepare for the 50 over World Cup in India next year. So that's why the Ashes are being played in June and July. And a lot of people are angry about it because they're saying, how dare the 100 be prioritised? And 
I, I, I can empathise with that viewpoint, but from a from a personal viewpoint, it's not quite the same as in Australia. In Australia, you, you want the the big cricket on when the summer holidays are on. This is going to miss the summer holidays. I looked up the summer holidays, the, the school holidays in England don't start till the um, 24th of July or something. So you'll only be getting one test match during that. But the, at least it's not going to compete with the Premier League um, anymore. And that you, I, I remember, um, I think I said, I might've said this anecdote on this podcast before. So apologies for those if I have, but I was in England for the first test of the 2019 Ashes. And after about day three, I was back at the hotel bar and there was, it was full of everyone who'd been there had been at the cricket that day. These were cricket fans. And on the TV came, I think it was third tier, like league one, a football game it was the first game of the, um, of the football season. This, you know, the Premier League wasn't due to start for a couple of weeks. And the entire bar was just staring at it, transfixed, watching it as though it was vitally urgent. And I just thought, God, you know, I knew how big football was in this country. But when you've got cricket fans who've been a day at watching sport and they're now watching two teams that probably had weren't related to them at all in the lower levels and they're watching it as though it was um, earth-shattering stuff, you've got to keep cricket as much away as from, from the big-time football as possible. So, I'm, you know, I'm reasonably happy with it. Yeah, my only takeaway is, you know, the, the, the wickets could be a little bit softer and swing around a bit more than you might get in that sort of August, September period. But you just never know with England that can. So, yeah, that, that's my only thing. I don't think it makes a big difference. Um, they did announce that the World Test Championship final will take place at the Oval in June. So Australia could potentially play the World Test Championship final at the Oval in June and then play five more tests. So pretty intense um, sort of six to seven weeks for the Aussie team. Awesome. You know, six tests in this. I love test cricket in England and the way things are going, it'll be Australia against South Africa or Australia against India, probably in the final. We'd have to see a real disaster for Australia to miss out. Um, so yeah, we, we talked about cricket unfiltered going over there. Um, that'd be a good one to go to. The tickets probably wouldn't be so hard because it's not going to be, um, it, I'm sure the crowds would be good, but probably not a sellout, but um, very exciting. Very exciting indeed. Yeah, definitely. And um, if anyone wants to fly cricket unfiltered over there to cover it, we're available. Just, Talk to we my will people. Say anything, whatever product you've got to sell, no matter how morally reprehensible, um, we will sell it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, the, the moment you've all been waiting for, my inbox just dropped a bit of joy. The ICC had made some rule changes this week. Um, loved it. So finally I've got on the ICC emailing list. Um Took me a while to get on there. Um, I mean, what do you make of these rules? So the 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 batters, um, the batters, the the new batter batting at the strikers' end is now always going to happen, like we see in the hundred. What do you think? Yeah, I'd um, say that right. Yeah. So in the old, up until now, when a um, a, a catch is skied in the air, then in order to determine who faces the next ball, you've got to see whether or not the players crossed and the hundred just said, why let's just get rid of that. And they're now putting that in at all levels. I think it's good. I think that it just simplifies it. It's just, um, um, it's the right thing to do a very, very, very minor point, but yeah, tick for me. Yeah. Tick for me as well. And you just, you take away those farcical situations where you have to check on a replay if they crossed and where, you know, where the, where, when they caught it just saves time. Um, 
you are not allowed to use saliva to polish the ball. That has been ratified. Um, yeah, not sure why. I suppose that it has solved the problem of ball tampering to a degree where, well, you, you know, you're allowed to use saliva, but you're not allowed to use saliva if you've got a mint in your mouth. But how do you know? You know, there was such a gray area. COVID enforced the change that you could no longer use it. And suddenly everyone sort of thought, oh, actually hasn't made as much of an impact as we thought. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I still, um, I'm always nervous about something that takes away bowlers' weaponry. Um, but I can see why they've done it. And to be fair to them, we have been using that for a couple of years now. We haven't seen, as far as I can tell, an increase in test matches with scores of 600 versus 600. So, yeah, I'm okay with it. Good. I'm okay with it too. Um, uh, This is one I found strange. They've now made it the the law that a new batter in test and one-day cricket must take strike within two minutes. Currently in T20s, they had a rule of 90 seconds and that remains unchanged. I always assumed they had to be out there in a certain amount of time. Otherwise, you got timed out. But now they've made it officially two minutes. I didn't even know what it was before, but I'm I'm glad they've done this. Uh, I mean, it's, I always thought it was two minutes, but it's it's just it's never going to happen. Um, there's never going to be a player timed out in Test cricket, um, and if it does, it'll be a massive controversy. Uh, and, and if I was the fielding side, I would I would call them back because I wouldn't I wouldn't want the trouble. So yeah, fair enough, but um, very very unimportant change. Yep, uh, and then look, there's a few other changes. Unfair movement by the fielding side. Um, now, actually, they've moved. So runouts at the non-strikers end um, that used to be called man cads were mm. classified in the unfair dismissal law, but they're now um, being moved to um, runouts. I'm passionate about my apathy for this. I there's two schools of thought. One are one is that oh, man cutting as it used to be called is unfair and un- is, and is cheating, and the other school of thought, which is much more common these days, is it's absolutely fine if the batter is moving out of his crease, then out of their crease, then you should definitely be able to um, run them out. Bowlers get no ball by a millimeter; they should be able to do this. Those are the two schools. I'm the third school. I just don't care. Um, it's such a minor issue. I don't understand why it exercises people so much. Um, I'm absolutely fine with this, but I'd be absolutely fine if they didn't do it either. I'm more in the camp now that where cricket's gone down to now millimetre judgments, you know, where they, they ping bowlers for stepping over all that stuff, that, yeah, batter's responsibility should be to stay behind the crease until the bowler lets, bowler lets the ball go. I just don't think yeah. it's that hard. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and now I'm curious on this one. So at the end of the 2023 World Cup um, Super League, so I think actually for the World Cup they might have this um, in the next World Cup, they might have this. It's the same as T20 cricket. If the fielding side doesn't bowl their overs in time, then uh, the time left on the clock, they have to bring a fielder in, an extra fielder in, like they do in T20 cricket. So if they've only bowled 48 overs by the time they get to the finish time, then for the last two overs, they can only have four players outside the circle. Yeah, this is great. Um, but why only bring it in for one day cricket? Bring it in for test matches as well. Adapt it and just say, um, you bought, you've got to bowl 30 overs in a session. And if you only bowl 27 overs in a session, for the first three overs of the next session, you've got three fielders off the field. You've got um, only eight instead of 11. And that would fix run over rates straight away. I, I, find, I find it annoying that 
the biggest blight on the game just about is slow over rates. There's so many ways they could fix it, and yet they keep on tiptoeing, tiptoeing around the edges. Yep, I'd be happy with that. Right, that was all the cricket headlines. Um, anything else you wanted to bring up, Paul, before we move on to the comments and then can't let it go? Uh, the only thing I would have liked is that they should have added to the um, to the, to the uh, playing conditions that we're going to make it that we'll get rid of umpire's call and it will be totally in favour of the bowler. That where it used to be orange will now be red. And that if you've got a ball that is only just pitching in line, only just impacting in line and only just clipping the stumps, that's out. Just like in tennis. And if people say, oh, well, but the technology might be, might be slightly wrong, I'd say, and you think the umpire is better? And you think the umpire is able to judge it better than the technology? And they say, oh, but you know, you got to give the batter the benefit of the doubt. And you think that's been happening for 145 years that the batter always gets the benefit of the doubt? Of course, sometimes the batter does and sometimes the batter doesn't. So just scorched earth, make it that. It'd be a lot simpler and it would give something extra for the bowlers. And I think that's what they need to get to. I think they eventually will get there. You should be in part of this law committee, I think. Um, we Absolutely. need to make this happen. Uh, the only thing, I shouldn't be part of it. I should be it. There should be yes. just me on it. <laughs> Dennett, is, <laughs> Dennett is the ICC now. <laughs> All right, let's get to the questions for those watching on YouTube. There's a few quickly. Stephen Matlock, surely Menners will be flying down to the MCG to cheer the Sydney Swans on. Stephen, unfortunately, I can't. I do have to watch the highlights from the county cricket round. You know, I've got to catch up on them all, so that won't be happening. Jose, go the Sydney Swans. I don't want the Cats to win. Uh, Stephen Matlock, is he... I think this podcast sends its best to the Geelong Cats, you know. As as Sydney siders, we we want the... um... Yes, we the want cats. the encroachment of AFL to be slowed down. So That's go, the cats. go the cat. <laughs> um, Stephen Matlock, he votes for Maxi as captain. Yeah, uh, I don't too. think he, I don't think he'd be a terrible choice as fifty or fifty over or T Twenty captain. Um, I'd have Maxi one captain and David the next, and alternate between matches. Jose would have Mitch Marsh or Maxwell as captain. Good choices. Um, well, look, they're the main points. Brewer as put in a comment here, which is interesting. I still remember the pain caused by Sandpaper Gate, and I think many still do. It might lead to backlash if Warner or Smith are captain again. It's a very good point. That's why I think Carey is such a good option. They just go around all that, and you don't have to explain anything. You just say, he's our current vice captain, so we've elevated him to the captaincy. Yeah, I, I do think that's what they will do. All right, so that was the comments. All right, let's get into Can't Let It Go, that little bit of cricket news that you just can't let go of. Paul, what's what's been getting on your gander this week? Oh, I've just decided to embrace it. Um, I've been living in it. I've been living a lie last few years, Menace. Um, I've been talking to you about how if I'm watching the cricket and I need to go and get a coffee, I'll press pause and I'll come back and fast forward it between the balls and not miss a ball and how much I've kind of started to enjoy that. The other night for the, the T20, I just embraced it. I just realised... That's almost the, not not always, but often the only way I'm going to be able to watch cricket these days. That unless the commentary is superb and, you know, that Matthew Hayden, who's a pretty ordinary commentator, the rest of them are okay, but it wasn't any commentary. <laughs> there, there, there were no commentators, maybe Harsha Bogle, an honorable, honorable exception. There are no commentators that I'm eagerly hanging on every word. It was at, what, it started at midnight. It was going through the middle of the night. And I just thought, I, I can't watch this normally. So I would just watch TikTok for 20 minutes with the cricket on pause, go back, watch the cricket, 
jump between the balls 15 seconds forward on KO, sometimes 30 seconds. I'm, I'm really good at it now in terms of choosing which bowlers. Like Stark, you can do 30 seconds. Green, you can only do 15. Um, and then when I got back to live, I'd be like, oh, God. And I'd press pause, go back to TikTok for 20 minutes and go back. I'm embracing it. That's I think that's how I'm going to watch cricket a lot of the time now. And I'm I'm proud of it. I'm not going to um, I'm not going to be shamed by you or anyone else about it. It's funny because I actually did the same thing. I, I fell asleep during the T20 and I, I got up and I watched it on delay. And I, I I did exactly find what you find. Sometimes if I would go 30 seconds between ball, you'd miss a ball for certain mm. bowlers. So you ha- you're right. You have to get to know which bowler to do that to. Um, but but I've said to you many a time, the way my brain works is I like to, I like listening to a podcast. I'm listening to an audio, audio book at the moment about World War Two and have the cricket on. And even 40, 50 seconds, it's still my uh, preferred option. My problem is that I'm so stupid that I mix the two up. Like I've tried doing that and sometimes it works, but I've been listening to... Uh, have you ever read any Hornblower books about the, the uh, naval guy from the 1800s fiction? They're magnificent. But I'd be listening to Hornblower and watching the cricket and suddenly, you know, there'd be a bouncer and hit the batter in the face and I think, oh, no, Hornblower's in trouble. Oh, no, he's not. Um, he's got uh, – Steve Smith's got to get the top mast in and the main cells in because the French are <laughs> like, oh, my God, what's going on? <laughs> I must be smarter than you then because I can – maybe I should run the ICC. Um, Mike Viney here has put a comment. How good would it be to get a function like speeding up podcasts where they shorten the pauses? Now, Mike – They have that. They have that. They have that. But I think he's having a go at us here. I think he's like think trying he is, to say yeah. – uh, mm-hmm. But Mike, they do have that um, pocket cast. There's a function that'll go through and take out pauses in the playback. Um, yeah, and look, if you listen in like double speed, we sound like the chipmunks, which is always good. Um, and the, the, back to my um, once, I was I was listening to a podcast. I thought, why is everyone speaking so strangely? Only Bob Willis is speaking normally. And then I realised I was listening to it at double speed, and that Bob Willis at double speed sounds perfectly normal. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. If, I don't know about that. So your can't let it go was you're addicted to the fifty sec, fifteen second button on your TV. And also, if Ko would like to sponsor us, I would be more than <laughs> eager to promote them. But Ko, can you get a button, or can you get some sort of functionality where it um, you can just press for next ball? Like I know it's only for cricket, but if you could press it such that um, you fast forward to when the bowler is about about to release the next ball then I'd be able to watch an entire day of test cricket in about 25 minutes. <laughs> mm. What I don't like, what I'd like on KO, if you're listening, Matt, um, is I'd like it when, like, when a game starts, I'd like the option to be able to just start for the first ball. They have a thing like key moments, but you put that in and then you see all the wickets and the sixes, so you kind of spoil it a bit. I just want a button so I can get to the first ball. Like, Also yeah. what I'd like is if I'm watching um, on delay and like, for example, say that um, I'm, I'm significantly delayed. We are going down a rabbit hole here mm. and there's um, Australia's batting on the final day of a test match and Australia needs like, you know, 200 to win. This happened in Sri Lanka actually. And um, I suddenly looked at it and thought, wait a minute, why is it that I'm about two hours behind and I'm noticing that the end is not getting further out. And I suddenly realized the game has ended in, in the next, that means Australia has been bowled out because they haven't had time to score the runs. Yes. So I would like it if they could have some sort of anonymizer that doesn't tell me how long there is left. As yes. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Make it like a mystery. Yes. Just question mark <laughs> to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you always get into problems with um, watching sport on delay. There's like so many issues. Um, right, right, Mike, but... can't, 
What? Last thing, I think I am one of the best in the world. If there was an Olympic sport for watching sport on delay, I'd pick myself. God, okay, great. You can you can fast forward on your TV. <laughs> Terrific. Um, all right. Um, so so I, my can't let it go is um, I was I was up last night and I was watching county cricket and having a great old time. And then I saw in KO, God, we have to sponsor us, uh, the Legend Leagues popped up. And I can't remember which two teams were playing. So at the moment in India, I think there's two competing. There's the Legends League and there's the Road Safety Series. And I think they're two old person's cricket leagues and they just travel around. It's a bizarre concept. And I don't know how I feel about this, Paul, because it's a bit like, I don't know, seeing the Rolling Stones in concert now or something that, a lot of these players, you know, we were lucky enough to see in their prime. So I saw Tendulkar make his first, his, his I think his first test century at the SCG or one of his, his first second, tests. His second sec- test century. His first yeah. was at Manchester the year before. Yeah. And, and so I don't want to see him now batting, you know, in his late 50s facing, you know, Brett Lee off three paces because I saw them in mm. their prime. But how do you feel about it? Like, it's a good point. Golf does it the best because of all sports, golf is the one where um, even when players are well past their prime, they still look amazing the way they play because there's you know just the nature of the sport. It reminds me of the time a few years ago when Shane Warne and Tendulkar did that series in America, trying mm. to get um, <laughs> trying to get all uh, you know retired players and trying to create a bit of buzz and. Ian Chappell just showed what a relentlessly honest person he is. Like Chappell and Warren were great mates. You'd think, you know, if, if you if you launched something, Menas, that I thought was a bit stupid, I'd probably say, oh, you know, it's pretty good. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go down that path. Yeah. But when Warren was on commentary, I think with um, with Chappelle, and Chappelle instead of saying, um, yeah, it's good, he said, nah, I'm not interested. Um, I've, <laughs> I saw these players play at their peak. I don't want to see them play now because one of his great rules in life is once you retired, you stay retired and don't ever, I don't know why he's so passionate about it, but he is, but he was very impressive that he just burned warning. What he got a shock? Like, mate, you're my mate. You've never done this before, but Chappelle's like, I will call a spade, a bloody spade all the day, all the living day. Um, the, 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 the match they had for the bushfires a couple of years ago was a bit that way. Like seeing was it Akram bowling to Ponting and stuff. It was, it was good, but I'm not sure that, Unless you've kept your fitness up, cricket, you, you, you pretty quickly um, start to diminish. Having said all of that, uh, I'd love to watch Steve Warbat again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, look, I think as well, like, the, say, the bushfire repeal match that you mentioned where um, Akram played, that even is different because it's a one-off, so it's kind yeah. of a bit of a novelty. Like, playing a sort of a whole league in a series, um, I'm just not sure how I feel about it. I wonder how they're going in India. If, you know, I'm sure they're loving it and, you know, people that say, you know, younger than us who didn't get to see these people play, it's like, you know, great for them. So it's just, I don't know. I'd love to hear some from the listeners how they feel about it. Um, but, yeah, it's on and about. Just hear from Mike Viney. He's clarified his comment from before. He wasn't saying, he wasn't having a go saying we were boring. He was saying it would be good if KO had a function where, you know, it could just speed up the game for you automatically. You're lucky, Mike, because Menes was trying to find a fence in that. He was getting ready to – he wasn't sure, so he was pressing – he pressed hold on launching you. Now you've clarified it. You, he hasn't become your lifelong enemy. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, – um, I don't know. 
like, I mean, the, the two shows ago when I, you know, was speaking with the, the listener about the Asian Cup, I don't know how much made it into the final edit, but um, yeah, I think listeners are going to be very rare, very wary to give us feedback. Um, um, so, could you put that comment back up again? That last one, the the, uh, the one. Oh no, the, no, no. Sorry, I was getting confused. No, you don't actually see. All good, all good. Um, sorry. Great show, lads. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, yes, we know. You um, said if I worked at KO, I would sponsor you. Absolutely. KO, uh, I'm going to be on KO pretty soon for some cricket this summer. Um, all right, Paul. Well. Sad news for the listeners now. Paul's going away for two weeks. I he put in his annual leave, and I'm such a good host. I granted it. <laughs> Jaleesa puts it in every week, but oh yeah, she was supposed to be on today's show, and she was at karaoke all night. So she's lost her voice, so she couldn't come on. <laughs> Very um, funny, menace. That's true. Um, where, where, where are you going? So what's happening? No, I'm, I'm gonna. I've got a couple of things. I've got to fly around a, a few different places for. For pleasure and for work. Um, so um, I just thought, yeah, I'll be back in a couple of weeks and be great better than ever. So I've lined up Jared Kimber to be my guest co-host next week. So for those that know uh, his work, he's a, a fine cricket journalist and a podcaster. So yep. an accomplished um, person stepping in. So Definitely. thanks, everybody, f- for listening. Paul, I'll miss you, but, you know, we'll catch up in a couple of weeks. The T20 World Cup will be starting. I can't wait. See you, everyone. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting it's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com sports social podcast network judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.